Ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Well, as a church, we're halfway through this current message series entitled More, and uh, and these are the booklets that we're covering in our small groups that we're meeting to discuss this and, and to go a little bit deeper in our discussion of it. During the first half of this series, we've uh, looked at our primary calling as a church, as you look at the three small words behind me, uh, to be a church that's full of followers of Jesus, uh, that we're truly taking to heart and taking serious this call to be a disciple or follower of Jesus to do what Jesus has called us to do, and that's to make disciples. And that, a way to translate that in just easy language is that we're to influence others to also follow Jesus and learn what it means to let him lead their lives. And then we're to go into the world. And in, in, as we uh, went through the first three weeks, we talked about uh, go in our current location here in Southwest Ohio. And hopefully that's though the that beginning of this series has really uh, encouraged you and and reminded you of our primary calling as a church to be a church that's serious about following Jesus, making disciples in Southwest Ohio. Well, as we transition uh, into the second half of this series, we're going to talk about how does that play out uniquely in each of our lives. How does that? How do we? translate that into our lives individually as we live and as we uh, go through life with our families, go to work in our neighborhoods? How does that translate? Well, I've been trying to process that for myself and trying to really think through, okay, what's God's calling in my life in a unique way? Now, I wasn't here last week uh, as as Andrew uh, closed out that first half of this series, and he called us to to plant the flag uh, where we're out, where we're at personally. I, I wasn't here. I, I have heard from a number of you that Andrew did a great job, but I wasn't uh, surprised by that at all. Uh, but last weekend, I wasn't here. I was in Michigan uh, with my family, and we celebrated my granddaughter's second birthday. And there she is. And by the way, she's also uh, been declared by her grandfather as the cutest trick-or-treater of 2016. Uh, there she is, and she's got quite a personality. Uh, she is a duck, by the way. I, I don't want anybody to think she's a chicken, okay? She's a duck. And uh, this this uh, Halloween, and uh, we we just loved, and the time went way too fast uh, last weekend for us. But, but as I got back in town, I got back in town in time to uh, go to a small group. And by the way, these, these small groups um, are designed so that you can jump in at any point. Uh, the way they're written, even though they build on it, each, each week is independent enough that even if you have not yet uh, jumped into a small group, you could still do so even this week and, and, and get a lot out of it. Well, last weekend, as, as Andrew talked about plant the flag, um, 
we, we met uh, with a men's group. I met with a men's group on Thursday morning, and we talked about that. We talked about how that message would apply to our lives in, in a personal way. Now, as we were discussing this material, I want to give you a little bit of backdrop, what was going on in my heart and in my life as I participated in that small group. You see, uh, a month ago, before I went on vacation, um, before I uh, had to address some other things that I was dealing with in the life of the church, that, that I had accepted an invitation from the director of the YMCA next door to go with him uh, to a conference on Thursday of this past week to Columbus. And it was, a, it was a conference designed to help emphasize the way that YMCA's partnering with local churches can emphasize the C of the YMCA. As I've shared that, some people have said, well, what does the C stand for? You know, some people don't even know what it stands for. The C of the YMCA stands for Christian, okay? Uh, it, it initially meant Young Men's Christian Association. Now, you don't have to be a young man to go to the YMCA anymore, but the YMCA still is based on Christian principles. And so this conference was all about how can we emphasize the C of the YMCA. Well, I got back from vacation and, and uh, I was struggling a little bit like, I don't have time to go to this conference. Why did I ever, you ever commit to something and then you go, why did I commit to that? And yet I try to be a person that, you know, sticks to my word and everything. And so I thought, okay, I committed, so I'm going to go. And, and, and really just for a couple days, I'd been really feeling some angst in my heart about that. Oh, I'd made a mistake making that commitment. But anyway, so I go to small group at 7 a.m., and I'm going to leave straight from there at 8 a.m. to drive to Columbus to go to this all-day conference. I wasn't going to get home till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, and so as, as I'm sitting there, we're sitting in small group, and we're talking about how we can, can all make a difference wherever we're located. And some of you remember that you... you or participate in a small group. Uh, in the workbook, there's this uh, create a relational environment map, and I hope you did that, where you've got these little circles, and you talk about all the people that you can influence just through your daily life, and are you taking advantage of that? Are you, are you really making a difference through uh, interacting with others and, and trying to be a positive influence in their life? And and I'm sitting here in this small group, and we're mapping that out, saying, okay, who can you influence without ever leaving where you're presently living just through doing life? And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, I'm reminded once again that you don't have to go to Haiti, Honduras, or El Salvador to be on a mission in life, and that our mission field is our personal network of influence that we can make a real difference. And, and as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, here I am all uptight about going to this conference. And yet every day, every week, as I walk out of this building, I look across the shared parking lot that we share with the YMCA, and there's a great opportunity to make a difference in this community. You know, as we drove up today, there's a swim meet. That parking lot's packed with cars, okay? And, and uh, in fact, there's 15,000 members that attend this YMCA. 
And you know, I think as a church, we need to be invested in world missions like El Salvador and Haiti. I'm not saying that we don't have a responsibility to do that. But as we think about mission, what an opportunity we have as a church to influence this community and and throughout. So so right there in the small group, I'm sitting there, we're, we're doing this relational map, and I'm going, I've got a bad attitude toward going to a conference that I need to, to really listen to because that is the mission field I live in. And so I just repented right there with the group of guys that I was with, and I said, you know, my heart's not been right. I've been dreading going to this conference. I need to have an attitude change. And you know what? Right then, God really worked and changed my heart. And as a result, I drove to Columbus, and, and even as I was driving there, I'm thinking, okay, God, how do you want to call into my life? How do you want to speak into my life today? And let me realize that that's the most important thing that I can do right now is just listen to how you're calling me to influence others. Well, I went and heard some great things, and every, every speaker, I thought, okay, is this what God wants me to hear? Is this, is this how God is going to call into my life? Well, I actually was uh, uh, really inspired, and I've got a couple of ideas, and I came back and I've already shared with a couple people, okay, I'm going to recommit myself as a church that I want to lead the way and partnering with the YMCA to make a difference in this community in this whole region of Southwest Ohio. And so I've got a couple ideas that I'm gonna be exploring. And if you would be interested in partnering with me, because one of the things I heard at the conference, if you wanna go fast, go alone. And that's my tendency. If you wanna go far, go together. So I just wanna say, if any of you are inspired to that thought of partnering with me and with others to make a difference here locally, to exalt Christ at the local YMCA, which is what it was based on in its origin, or, and just want to partner with me in that, please let me know. You can just write on the communication card, hey, I'll partner with you and, uh, at the YMCA, and I'll follow up with you. Maybe we'll get a team together and see how we can do that. Well, during the first four weeks, we talked to how we can be, do, and go in our primary calling, our basic calling as disciples of Jesus Christ, partnering together as a church. But this weekend, we're gonna shift to look at our secondary unique calling based on how the Lord has shaped each of us individually through our spiritual gifts, our heart's desires, our abilities, our personalities, and experiences. It's important to emphasize we aren't forgetting our primary calling, but we're just saying as we keep in mind our primary calling to be disciples, make disciples here in Southwest Ohio, how can we each individually do that in a unique way that the Lord has called us? You see, we know from biology that God has created us to be unique. We have particular combination of genes and chromosomes to help make us who we are physically. In fact, God has embedded in each of us a particular DNA mapping, if you will, that it influences greatly the individual that we're called to be. On that point this week, in an amazing coincidence, I had someone uh, email me an actual 
DNA mapping that they had done. And the timing was amazing as we see uh, this mapping of a very special individual's DNA. Now, that just looks like a bunch of lines to me, but scientists can look at that and say, this is how this person was put together. Isn't it amazing to know that the Lord knows every hair on our head and he knows our unique DNA and all the incredible potential that he has given to each and every one of us to make a difference in this world. Let's look briefly at an individual in the early church who lived out his potential, his God-given potential. This guy was originally named Saul of Tarsus, and we became, he became known commonly, we refer to him as the Apostle Paul. This is the way he described himself as he wrote a young man he was mentoring in a, in a book of the Bible entitled 2 Timothy. Paul says, greetings from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am an apostle because God wanted me to be. I like that. Paul had a real clear sense of his unique identity in Christ. And our hope is that this weekend that that we will inspire you to begin to discover and explore the unique individual that God has called you to be. And as you understand this unique identity in Christ, not forgetting your basic calling, but then exploring a secondary unique calling, that you will be empowered to be, as Paul described, that this is what God wanted me to be. Paul identified himself in that terms as an apostle. Now, with that said, this Bible verse surfaces a common question. In fact, I'm asked this often. Uh, I, I have people ask me, what's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Well, let me see if I can break that down. In your notes, you'll see apostle versus disciple. As we read the New Testament, we see that Jesus called all people to become his disciple or followers. And yet there was a certain group of individuals, 12 to be precise, that he specifically called to be apostles. We, we read this in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And I'm trying to grow in my prayer life, but I've never prayed all night. If you have, let me know. I'd like to learn from you. But, but Jesus in this encounter, he prays all night. Why? Because he's going to be making this huge decision of inviting certain of these disciples to a specific role. It says at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. You see, not all the disciples, not all the followers of Jesus were called to be apostles, but, but there were 12 foundational leaders of the early church. We're all called to follow Jesus, to be disciples, but we're not all called to be apostles. You see, here, it, this idea of calling to be a disciple, we, we have to realize that there is a call to make a decision on our part. In Luke chapter 9, this is how Jesus said it. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, and I hope you want to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, he says, you must deny themselves and, and take up their cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You see, it's a call to put aside selfish desires and and, and selfish ambitions and and get a, a, a greater calling in life to follow Jesus' lead and to be what Jesus has called us to be. We're not all called to be apostles, as I mentioned, but we're all called to be disciples. There appears in Scripture also that there that this role of apostle, that there was an authoritative role. In the early church, uh, these apostles went on to be inspired to write down Scripture. And so they served a very foundational role. For our purposes this weekend, I want to try to distinguish that with saying apostles, capital A, versus a more generic use of the word apostle, small a. Now, On this point, I can make an argument that even Paul belonged to this very select group of 12 or or maybe 13 if you add him as one abnormally uh, born because he was inspired by God in a unique way to write down a good portion of the scriptures found in the New Testament. Now, in the message notes, I have listed a number of scriptures for you to consider the difference between the authoritative role that the 12 foundational leaders of the early church served and a more generic use of the word apostle that individuals like Barnabas and other individuals listed in your message notes were described as serving as apostles in a more generic sense. Now, in this more generic sense, uh, and I would kind of distinguish that with lowercase a, it's as one who is sent on a mission and pioneering in a a very important, new, and innovative work for God and for God's glory. Now, in this more generic sense of the word apostle, I I would describe a modern-day example that would maybe be like uh, the founders of Lifeline Christian Mission, one of our partners here at Southwest. We've partnered with Lifeline to do mission work in Haiti and El Salvador and and, and to, you know, be a part of mission work throughout the world. Bob and Gretchen DeVoe helped pioneer Lifeline Christian Mission 30 years ago. In a sense, they served in an apostolic function and that they, they started something brand new. They launched a pioneering effort. They went to Haiti 30 years ago before it was fashionable, you know, before it was kind of the, more of a common thing to do. They were really groundbreakers in that regard. They started that new work, and many have been blessed by that. Now, obviously, we're not calling them apostles in the sense of that they are inspired to write down Scripture. That's not how we're describing them. But they did launch a pioneering new work. Now, if you look at the bottom point in the message notes, you see all these letters, okay, that spells out APEST. And in this, we want to ask everyone this weekend to to ask yourself, how has God shaped and molded you and uniquely called you to serve him and to make a difference in this world? Paul describes to a letter of a church in Ephesus, the Ephesian letter, 
some of the roles that function in the church. Let's read how he describes it in Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I want to just make a few comments about this passage. We'll be talking about this more in our small groups here this week. But now, just like the word apostle, as we consider the word prophet, I believe there were individuals in Bible times who were called to serve as prophets, a capital P, who were supernaturally inspired to write down God-inspired words in what we call the Scriptures today. Now, although I don't believe there's a need for that today, because I believe the scriptures are complete. We don't need additional written uh, revelation from God. And yet, I do believe there is this low case P uh, that people serve in a prophetic role. Those are the people in life and in the church, individuals who are just truth tellers. They have the ability to speak with clarity into the life of someone else to be able to help them think about something they need to think about. Maybe you're such a truth teller. Now, some of you might be wondering, okay, wait a minute, as I underline the words in Ephesians 4 there from that passage you just read, Roger, it spells out apept, okay? And you said apest. Well, that's because the writers of the more material used a different translation of the Bible, the English Standard Version, which says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And I even like that word shepherd versus pastor because I think sometimes we read this passage and we think, well, you know, I, I'm not called to be an apostle. I'm not called to be a prophet right down scripture. I'm not called to be a church pastor. And we start thinking that this passage doesn't have anything to apply to our lives. But if we consider this biblical verse in a more generic role, a generic way, then we begin to see that God has shaped everybody in the church to serve in a unique role. Maybe you're called to be a generic apostle and, and launch some new initiative to make a difference in the lives of people. Maybe you're, you have that prophetic ability to speak truth into to people's lives and, and you need to lean into that. Maybe you're someone that delights in sharing good news with others, especially those that don't have a religious background. And you love to share with them how that the, the Bible can make sense in their life as well. Maybe that, would, maybe that would really track with you. That's that evangelist role. Or maybe you view yourself as someone who's more behind the scenes, that you could come alongside and, and help nurture others. That's more of that shepherding role. Or maybe you have the ability to teach or explain difficult concepts in simple ways to others, whether it be children, students, or adults. You see, I think if we really will be honest with ourselves, all of us have been uniquely made in such a way that we can identify with one of these terms in Ephesians 4, 11, whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, and teachers. So in the small group material, there's a number of descriptive words to help you determine where you might fall. 
And yet, in the bulletin, I've also listed a couple of more diagnostic ways you can discover that. You see, I really got into this this week. So I went online and said, okay, is there a way we could kind of more objectively? So I found a free online test that you can take. It's listed there in the bulletin of whether you're more like an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher. There's also one that you pay 10 bucks for. And because I was into this, I paid the 10 bucks. And and I got the report back because I wanted to say, okay, what am I uniquely designed to do? And am am I really functioning where I need to be functioning? And and I took the test and and it came back that I am uh, an evangelistic teacher. And that kind of helped me because when I first looked at all the terms, I felt like I'm kind of a combination of that. Well, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 7, Paul describes himself as a combination. He says, I'm a preacher, an apostle, I'm a teacher. So maybe your unique identity is kind of a blend of a couple of these. It is for me. Now, here's what happened to me as I went down that road this week, preparing for this message, working through this material. As I went back and looked and said, what is my DNA? What is the makeup of who I really am as a person that God has designed me to be? I found myself invigorated, empowered to say, have I gotten off track and started trying to major in focus areas that's really not my greatest strengths? Am I really building on the strengths that God made me to be? My hope and desire is that everyone here at Southwest, if you're willing to put forth the effort to go down that road this week and do a little personal ex- uh, exploration, a little bit of personal discovery, that you'll find it invigorating and empowering as well. Why? Because one of the key verses of this entire series is Ephesians 2.10, where Paul wrote, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. My hope and heart's desire is that every individual here today can truly come to believe that you are already God's masterpiece. Or maybe you've not yet responded to Jesus' initial call to follow him, that you are that God is ready to create a new in you, a masterpiece, that he will work through you in some unique ways so that you'll be able to say, as Paul said, I am blank because God wanted me to be. What did God create you to be? I like what Rick Warren said when he wrote, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am but I really am who God says I am. One of the things that, that really is important for us as individuals is to lean in to how God has uniquely shaped each and every one of us. When we learn to do that, we'll be invigorated and empowered to be the servants that God's called us to be. I wanna leave you, leave you with one application parable. I wanna leave you with this today because I think it's important to tie everything that we've said together. You see, if we embrace this idea of following Jesus, becoming part of God's greater kingdom, of his kingdom work on earth, 
Jesus taught a lot about that, and he taught a parable that's sometimes called the parable of the talents. Now, in the particular translation I'm reading from, instead of using the word talent, and talent was a, was a, a, a term for uh, currency in the Greco-Roman world. But it, it, in this translation, it translates as bags of silver. But if we translate there, not just in terms of money, but we think in terms of resources, abilities, talents, natural strengths. Think about what Jesus said here. In Matthew 25, verse 14, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can it be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants. You see, that's the calling to be a servant of God, a follower of Jesus, and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last dividing it into proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. Now, in this parable, Jesus uses bags of money or talents to illustrate, I think, a greater principle. How are we utilizing the resources? How are we utilizing those God-given abilities that we were born with? How are we utilizing the spiritual gifts that God has poured into our lives? How are we utilizing the, the, the way we've been shaped by education, by, by experiences, even the painful ones? The way we were brought up and some of the things that were instilled in us, how are we using that and, and translating that to, to serve as opportunities to influence the people that we can influence? What are, another way to put this is, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with your God-given identity, with the true, unique masterpiece that God wants to create anew in you? If you kept reading the story, you'll find that two of the servants, they, they invested what, what the master had given to them. They multiplied, they reproduced but one wasn't willing to take any risks, and he just buried it. And when the master returned, he said, he said that it wasn't that you were just fearful. He says, you were lazy. You didn't put into practice what you could have put into practice. In fact, he goes on, he says, take the money, in verse 28, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Here's my question for all of us today. What are you, what, are, what am I doing with what God has given to each and every one of us? Are you just bearing it? Are you maybe out of a fear of risk and fear of failure? Are you, are you hiding some of those resources and not putting them into practice as God wants you to? Or are we willing to take some risks and say, God, I wanna serve you. I wanna honor you. See, these gifts weren't given for our own sake. They were given so that we could serve others, so that we could honor God, our creator, the one that all good gifts come from. How are you, 
How am I utilizing that which God has given us so that we can be everything that God has called us to be? Last weekend, I was out of town and, and um, I, I attended with my family a church in Michigan and it was a really good church and I really enjoyed the message. It was really good. But when the message was over, I was just trying to process what the, the, the minister had said. And I was trying to really process it. And there was no time of reflection or meditation. It was just the final song we're done. And, and I thought, man, I wanted to think about that a little bit more. We went out to eat and it kind of escaped me. Here at Southwest, every weekend we take communion. And this time of communion is a time that we remember God's love for us in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But it's also a time, Scripture says, for us to examine ourselves. And so as we pass the bread and the cup today, I want you to ask yourself, examine your own heart and life and say, am I utilizing the talents and the resources God's given me? Am I really becoming that masterpiece that God has designed me to be? Or out of fear, have I hidden some of my God-given resources? Let's be everything that God's called us to be. And let's allow times of communion where we remember all that's been given to us and the sacrifice that Jesus made so we could have a relationship with him and with the Father. Let's allow this time to be a time to propel us into a week saying, okay, how can I be all that God's called me to be? Think about that during this time of communion. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus came and died so that we could have a relationship with you. But we also thank you, Father, that when he left earth, he left gifts behind in our lives. Help us be motivated by Christ's generosity to live our lives out as the masterpieces you created us to be. Help us during this time of communion be grateful, but also help us examine and recommit ourselves to leaning in to everything you've called us to be. And I pray, Father, that, that you will truly break into our hearts 